to episode 10 of Consensus Unreality. Woo! Uh, yep, double digits. Uh, we are here today with uh, Charles Laurence, the uh, author and sort of curator of In Search of Pagan Hollywood, um, which you can find on Facebook and Twitter. And I guess, is it still going to be a book? Uh, hi, hi, Charles. Thanks for coming on. Uh, hi. Hi, you guys. It's nice to be here. Thanks. Thank you um, for joining us. Uh, right now, there are so many books in the works here. I, I don't really know what to say about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, my my publisher for the first for the in, in the in search of pagan Hollywood book uh, died. Oh wow! Yeah. So now I'm trying to mark. Uh, sh- I already got paid for that though, so I need to kind of. I I just need to work out another deal at some point. Right. Um. I have a book coming out about uh, silent movie monkey superstars wow awesome uh they were there were a lot, more of them than you would think yeah <laughs> that were during the silent movie era huh and especially joe martin is kind of the focus of the book who's an orangutan that they kept referring to as a chimpanzee and a monkey even though <laughs> right yeah <laughs> are you um but he had a series of movies and had a very uh star-studded wedding <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> but in, and then i have a book uh called um altar of arrows and you guys have probably seen that feature on my right yeah yeah twitter page that's just going to be the confluence of sex and mythology religion and postcards from 1910 ish awesome yeah yeah i've been looking at those uh you'll post those like do you like once a week is that I, yeah i see those coming. Uh, i do that once a day oh is it once a day wow yeah <laughs> the I guess, weekly yeah. is the weekly is the uh black mass of the week oh yeah right right right, yeah. right. yeah i love all that stuff it yeah it helps uh get you through the week with something <laughs> to look forward to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I only need one i guess yeah <laughs> do you do you think you're um pioneering the um genre of documenting chimpanzee actors in hollywood I'm going to just say yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know of any other, this book is, as far as I know, unique. I mean, yeah. someone can respond on my Twitter page or on my Facebook page if they feel I'm, I've uh, wronged them in some way. Right. <laughs> but I, but I, yeah, I think, I think this is kind of a unique work. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds like it. Um, yeah. So I guess, we should just jump into yeah. um, in search of pagan Hollywood, and um, could we ask you first off, um, ha- how did you get interested in this subject and um, sort of the the the, um, the decadence and right. the occult revival, especially in film? I guess we're interested in that point in history and that sort of intersection that led to um, these topics too. Well, the fact that you even know that it's an intersection with capital D decadence right and, yeah and 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 film uh, shows you know probably much more than a lot of the readers on Facebook do yeah <laughs> I, I think sometimes, yeah, I mean yeah. sometimes I don't feel like relating to that in any way so I just post whatever right but uh, 
but it's very good that you guys picked that up. Yeah, I think we both um, have have an interest in in decadence and and where it right. comes into film. Yeah. And well, here's the deal. I started a page that's still incredibly popular, even though I haven't post on posted on it in over a year, mm. called Decaying Hollywood Mansions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, still has I think two hundred and fifty thousand followers, wow. even though yeah. I don't ever do anything <laughs> on it. But I started that, and it became really annoying. I just the the art my art history background and things like I just it wasn't becoming it wasn't very satisfying I I was mm. I needed to kind of go into my own little niche and you know and be able to wallpaper it with occult things and right. uh, decadent art and symbolist art and pictorialist art and not have anybody yell at me yeah <laughs> so I just sort of abandoned that page and uh, like I say it keeps growing I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, well, but, um, and a, then yeah. I so I that was in the 2010, I think, and then in uh, 2015, I decided to start uh, in search of Peg in Hollywood, and it just gave me a lot more leeway for the things that I would I could post, right? And mm-hmm. I like the jokey title. I sort of made the yeah. I used that Sun International's in search of a- ancient astronauts, title. right? Yeah, really <laughs> yeah, but, that's uh, awesome. It's just kind of you know, I I mean I'm I don't know if I'm really searching for anything, but I it <laughs> right. looks like I'm searching because it's such a broad you know broad base of items that I post. Yeah, yeah. Did you have uh, an interest in sort of like decadence and art and literature before the sort of uh, film interest, or did those things kind of come together, or how, how did well, that work out? I get I guess I mean I guess I've always been interested in film. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I grew up at a time when there were all kinds of silent film showings uh, for hippies, mm. <laughs> yeah. kind of stoner Theta Barra. <laughs> well, not Theta Barra since her films are lost, but a lot of older movies uh, shown in kind of rundown theaters and my father would take me to see them. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, nothing but just stoners as far as the eye could right. see. <laughs> and uh, so it was a great, it was great kind of having that being introduced to silent film in this trippy kind of way. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's really stuck with me. And then also Shakey's Pizza, I'd like to do a shout out to them. <laughs> they used to show uh, silent films, wow. usually the, trun- the truncated eight millimeter prints, yeah. Super 8. And it's the first time I saw uh, Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney and uh, just lots of lots of hor- lots of early horror films mm, I saw yeah. in, the, in the truncated form of Shakey's Pizza. So I, so <laughs> film, I think, was my father was very into movies and we we could bond over going going to see uh, films. But um, I'd say probably the decadent literature, the painting thing, that's more an early college development. For sure. Like yeah. yeah. 1979, 80, when I started to read Heisman's and uh, Mirbeau and Mm, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I had a. That's when I kind of had this awakening to that literature and started to dress like a dandy, even though I didn't really pull it off. Very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I gave that up quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're about like uh, under ten minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. So that's like. Yeah. Where do you do you see um, that sort of a uh, French occult revival kind of stuff? Do you see that? in most of these in the sort of pagan uh well, films that you're focusing on or do you see like a broader range what, there, what do you think? Uh, there's a broad range the yeah. range would be more like um as we jump pictorialist photography like william mortensen 
and people like that where they use kind of a witchy environment or a mythological environment. Mm. Uh, uh, God, what's the uh, woman uh, photographer? I can't come up with her name, but uh, the, those pictorialist photographers would just, you know, would took, took pictures of stories of narratives basically, mm. yeah. you know, and uh, it's, it's fun how much that transferred into early film. Right. right. You, know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. get things like uh, the the god Pan crawling out of a fireplace yeah. in a silent yeah. movie, and um, just all these uh, mythical figures, and it's it's very much symbolist and pictorialist in nature. These uh, many of these early films, and also they were considered most films that covered that were considered pretty immoral at the time. Right. Uh, right. In the 19, yeah. 1916 to nineteen twenty, <laughs> and. Uh, they were actually called morbid films. If you look at old film magazines mm, yeah, yeah, and that just was sort of broad reaching for any film that, you know, included insanity, uh, pan suicide. Yeah. You know, all these things that uh, the decadence took, you know, very seriously. Right. right. Yeah. And of course, Orientalism, which is one of my favorite things in early cinema. Oh yeah. And all the, uh, probably the greatest example ever is mask of Fu Manchu, but there were many great silent films too. Mm. That you know, use this, it's a, a fake dream of the Orient. Right. Know? Right. Totally. Yeah. That, that idea of like exotica is really interesting and, and how that permeates sort of the depictions of the occult as well and, and spiritualism. And I think like also the rise of spiritualism at that time. Absolutely. Is really interesting. Yeah. In fact, yeah. there's a great, there's a great film, like I think I believe it's called, uh, was Conan Doyle Wright. Oh about yeah, yeah, spiritualism that comes from then. Uh, as far as I know, no copies of it exist anymore. But there are some wonderful posters and and uh, and stills. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think uh, I probably saw it that on your blog. Basically, concerns you know spiritualism from you know from that from that period. Right. Yeah. Do you think there's like a, a connection in like the at least the psyche of that era between like this new technology of capturing moving image and you know some sort of spiritual. Like, do you think that's a necessary connection up from the time? Well, in the, in the films I like, yeah, the 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 magic of cinema of the of the technique technique of uh, especially special effects techniques mm. seem to be used in a, a pictorialist symbolist fashion. I mean, you know, there were tons of ghosts walking through this. You know, people disappearing. Right. I mean, all these like what we would consider pretty naive tricks now. But I still think they're just lovely. I think they're just beautiful to look at, you know, or d- double exposures of, you know, phantoms coming in and out or hands rising out of walls. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just those are the those are miracles to me. I mean, I just right. watch them and I get shivers up my spine. Yeah, I do. I mean, having been watching some some more of that kind of stuff lately, it it does. It just uh, it strikes so much more. I don't know, like it's more beautiful than uh, sort of whatever it is that people are doing today to get those kinds of effects across. And a lot of that is because, I mean, to be fair with, you know, people now, a, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the silent filmmakers were, you know, were in touch with the art of their time. You know I mean? Mm. They were, they'd seen, they'd grown up on symbolist art, on pictorialist art. Oh yeah. So, yeah, they, yeah. so they wanted to just make it move, you know? Right. Yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, and it's kind of, what was my thought there? Um, I, I think a lot of I think a lot of these there weren't very many decadent figures that made it into cinema. Mm. Um, 
unfortunately, but we do have one that was very important, um, uh, Denunzio, mm. Gabriel Denunzio. Yeah, yeah. It was an Italian decadent who wrote some Triumph of Death. is just amazing if you haven't read it. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, he actually wound up working in the movie industry uh, and and becoming a fascist and lots right. of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of downsides to Denunzio. I happen to just love his books. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've, he also yeah. wrote and produced uh, several films, uh, Kiberia probably being the most favorite, the mm. most famous. And Kiberia is just a, I mean, it's one, it was one of the most expensive films ever made in Italy, and it's a, it's a stunner still. I've never, I've been wondering why there's been, there hasn't been a beautiful restoration of that film. I don't mm. know. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that one. Have you seen that, Dave? No. no. Yeah, Because even the copy I have, and I really search for the best copies, I, isn't very good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I guess that's the whole lost, like so many of these films being lost is something that I find really fascinating as well. I mean, sad, yeah, I but too. yeah. Yeah, and but, I, as, as you can tell, if you've seen my the Facebook page, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with stills from lost films. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people get upset. Like, why would you show us this? <laughs> watch the movie. Yeah. And that doesn't really <laughs> that doesn't figure into it. I think it's amazing to see these stills. And, right. It's kind of like tantalizing by definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, are you are you also interested in in um, sort of the the fogginess of where the culture of Hollywood um, sort of infects the films themselves and the personalities and maybe the, the like the literal decadence of, of Hollywood at that time like you guys, you guys are asking all the right questions <laughs> well I mean, um, yeah <laughs> I, I the part of the the subtitle to the Facebook page and to the book um, includes the, the words Hollywood Gothic mm. which uh, I mean, Hollywood Gothic is is where the decadent style meets this whole genre of films: uh, Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. uh, Curtis Harrington's films, uh, lots of books by Horace McCoy, um, and they're basic, basically what you get from Southern Gothic, which is a grotesque view of a certain culture. Mm-hmm. But the culture they're they're you know they're they're uh, surveying is Hollywood. So you get these, I mean, all those hag and crone films from the, uh, from the sixties, like, uh, whatever happened to baby Jane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I mean, so many of those take place in a, in a sort of Hollywood, you know, a Hollywood milieu and, uh, they're incredibly grotesque and really show just these, you know, these, these old stars broken down in these, you know, ha- these might as well be haunted mansions. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just really, uh, another great one is the loved one, the Tony mm. Richardson film, yeah, which is one of my all-time favorites. Awesome. Based on an Aldous Huxley. Uh, no, that's not right. It's based on an Evelyn Waugh. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. One of my favorite. I guess it's it's later. It's more like I don't know if it's exploitation or whatever. But uh, Simon King of the Witches. That's a. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. That's that's a great great film. I, yeah. I love it too. And uh, just. And the, I'm just obsessed with all these, you know, these these uh, occult rituals in these films. And right. Simon King of the Witches has a really good one. Yeah, I love when, it. Uh, when has some really fine ones. Uh, the the nude lady sitting with a laying on a beer with a skull on her chest saying, right. "Don't touch me, I'm a religious object." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, one of my yeah. favorite scenes. Yeah, that's a wild movie. I, I mean, um, yeah, and. 
I guess, I mean, there's like lore that that was based on that uh, Hollywood Los Angeles guy, Poke Runyon, who's, you know, oh, yeah. uh, like a relatively like well-known occultist. Who knows if that's, you know, actually true, but like, I love well, based the, on, Oh yeah. Well, it makes, I mean, you know, I, I've been to LA and it's pretty, <laughs> and right. lived in LA for a while and it's pretty, uh, those characters exist. Yeah. There's totally, no I mean, you're, if nothing else, Kenneth Anger fits the bill. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. wanted to ask about Anger and and if that was like a big in, influence on your work. He just he blew me away when I saw his films in college. Mm. I'm obsessed with his films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, finally on decaying Hollywood mansions. If I would have posted, if I posted anything by Kenneth Anger, all I'd get is what a liar he was in Hollywood Babylon. Mm-hmm. And I just I just don't care about that. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> because once you've seen those films. It, it doesn't really matter anymore. Right. right. They're, yeah. They are be- they're beautiful films. I've, yeah, yeah. They're just, and yeah. I, I swear to God, uh, invocation. No, not, uh, what's the, the big one. <laughs> invocation of oh, well, uh, the, demon brother, demon brother no, the, or uh, Lu- Lucifer rising inauguration. Of the pleasure. Dome. Oh, pleasure. Oh, Dome. pleasure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That film I swear is different every time I watch it. Mm, yeah. I mean, every time I watch that film, I feel like, something is in the wrong place or has been moved. I feel like I'm in a haunted house. I feel like, yeah. you know, someone's just moving all the furniture every once in a while. Now that can't possibly be true, right. but it's, it's how I feel about the film. Like I, where I think something is when the film is in my head is never quite where it's at. Right. Yeah. Once I watch the film. Yeah. What do you, I mean, do you think there are like haunted films in that way? Or like, at least like films that have the air of that? Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, there, there are films that are, that just seem off that seem like they're, they're, there's, there's something happening beyond the film itself. And I, I don't know, some of that can be very intentionally done. Mm, you know, yeah. you can, you can make a film that's just so off something like carnival of souls. When you first watch it, you sure. know, like mm. you just, you're not sure you know, right. everything just seems off. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 but I mean, to be more specific with your question, uh, Kenneth Anger's films seem as close to ritual as a film as films can get. Yep, mm. especially Lucifer. Well, these are, and there and Curtis Harrington shorts affect me similarly. Mm. Like, uh, uh, what's the? Uh, oh, Wormwood Star. Oh Ken, uh, yeah, Curtis Harrington's Wormwood Star mm. is. Uh, is another one where I just feel like, I feel like there's a ritual going on it and it doesn't have as much to do with movies as it does with some, something in the ether. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you know, I mean, what do you think of uh, like abstract, do you like a, uh, like Jordan Belson, like the abstract kind of like, <laughs> like well, I'm going to sound, I'm going to sound kind of idiotic here, but I like them when the themes are, when they're either so trippy, I can't deny them mm. uh-huh. or when the themes are, semi occult or or spiritual yeah 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 i mean when people are just i mean i, I like i said there are certainly there are certainly uh abstract films that are just so trippy that i feel like they fit into my aesthetic pretty right. easily just by virtue of being so beautiful to look at right but then it, but things like harry smith and yeah that's what mm-hmm. really yep. lose. <laughs> totally. that, that's that's just everything you know yeah right. where you get this trippiness but then this you know interest in the occult mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I love Harry Smith stuff. He's and drugs had perfect. so much to do with uh, especially the the uh, underground films of the fifties uh, and sixties. Right. Yeah. That that 
they almost can't help but be decadent, you know? Yeah, there's yeah. Just a, there's just a velvet, a red, purple velvet texture to all of them that yeah. always yeah. makes me very happy. Yeah, do you do you know of um, any films that, like, imp- realistically employed occult practices? Like, I, I know, well, for, for example, um, Herzog's Heart of Glass, like, the cast was under hypnosis. I think, right. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of... There are a lot of rumors. Obviously, the, uh, the <laughs> yeah. most popular rumor is the Rosemary's Baby that Anton LaBay was somehow involved in, mm-hmm. right? In making that authentic, it's it's completely untrue. There was mm-hmm. even a, a rumor that he played the 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 goat. He was the one on top of the affair, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, all of that was untrue, and uh, and uh, uh, Gerald Sanders, Maxine Sanders, and uh, Gerald Sanders. Uh, seem to have something to do with the Sharon Tate movie, Eye of the Beholder, because there's a photo of the, of the Sanderses with Sharon Tate hmm. and the film's director uh, doing a, a ritual. But a huh. lot of that could just be publicity. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they could have just, you know, we're making this film and look who we have on board. You're going to want to see it because it's authentic. And Sure. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but as far as just like, I mean, I think the closest we come again is Kenneth Anger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where I mean, where you actually see rites being performed. A lot of those are a little goofy because he's look, working for the visual, not you know. Right. A lot, a lot of occult practices are disciplined and take time. <laughs> yeah. So he tends to go for the most, you know, the most beautiful moments of these rituals. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. If- but I think I, as far as I know, I'm I'm going to say there, there may be. There may be underground films that certainly are, you sure. know, yeah. are pitched, are, are are somehow motivated and actually managed to be some sort of ritual. Mm. Yeah, but I I couldn't say anything specifically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, Polanski's um, involvement in Rosemary's Baby and and sort of like the whole saga of the Manson murders just makes it one of the scariest movies of all time. I agree. The yeah. confluence of events yeah. is just, I mean, the connections, I mean, it's, it, it's really endless, yep. you know? Yeah. I mean, from, from sixties drugs, sixties occultism to, I mean, it just, all the players and characters have t- touched on so many different forms of culture that yeah. it's just, it's, it's crazy. You know, I mean, that it's, it's my favorite film by far. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. And I, I, I probably watch it. I mean, I watch it way too often. Everyone, <laughs> everyone says so. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, that's yeah. It's just, a great film. Yeah, I just feel like it's. Uh, I feel like I feel like it's some sort of vortex of all the all the things I love mm. from that period. Right. You know? Yeah. From and, and the bad acid, and the, I just feel like it's all there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bad acid '60s are the only '60s, as far as I'm concerned. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Give me, give me the Stones and forget the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Got the White Album. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's bad. I mean, good, bad, like lovely bad. Yeah. Um, I also got thinking. Um, so if we're going back to sort of the decadence and and the relationship to the portrayal of the occult in films, one that sticks out to me is the Seventh Victim that isn't very decadent. Have you seen that one? it's one of my favorites yeah Yeah. i was wondering if you had more examples of films that you felt 
sort of portrayed the occult in a more unassuming or like, you know, just 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 a more kind of realistic way as opposed to like, you know, so uh, loud or something. I wish I would, would have thought about that more. Uh, I think uh, there's, let's see. Um, I really like films where the uh, occultism just kind of comes out of, you know, like you're, yeah. you're not even sure what these people are, but it's even more sinister not to know. Like in Seventh, right. Seventh mm. um, Night of the Demon kind of has that, but then it has that stupid demon. Yeah. It <laughs> kind of ruins yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's wonderful just seeing him perform as a clown at a birthday party. And right. <laughs> there's yeah. a great uh, cat birthday party in the Sentinel, too, that's kind of mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. That actually seems like more of a witch's Sabbath <laughs> than a cat birthday. Yeah. yeah. But, I, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other films. I mean, there, there's certainly others where the occultism seems so subsumed by the, you know, just just under the surface of everything. Mm. Yep. And I'm having trouble pinpointing one i guess i should have uh, well, a list yeah i mean it's interesting because it kind of seems like the seventh victim and and maybe the others the that, that luton produced are sort of singular in that way of just being like dreadful um but the occultism is is just in the background you know right yeah like the, yeah these i mean that i mean that meeting of occultists and seventh victim is just yeah <laughs> You know, you turn down the sound and you're just watching, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, a really boring upper crust cocktail party. Right. 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 And yeah. Rosemary's Baby kind of has that, too, with where the, the cabal is sort of just this goofy group of upper echelon people. Yeah, I always I always love I mean, I, I used to do a blog posts. I have a blog called uh, Roman and Minnie's uh, uh, what is it? Uh, a cult cocktail party. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, I used to post this pictures of the people at, at the people that hang out with witches, you know, <laughs> like the, right. these, these, these um, the devil rides out has a fun scene at the beginning that where you're just looking at these people going, how did they get involved? In this <laughs> oh, when's yeah. that, when's there, that one? There's from? only always one Asian guy with a camera. Yeah. That's one of those, yeah. One of those like tropes, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, just and th- but there's you know always a guy in a turban, right? There's always you know I mean, but and then there's these wonder always just wonderful old character actor actress actresses these old these mm. old ladies who are all just you know wonderful to look at. Yeah, and uh, I love the one of my favorites is the uh, the old lady and the old man in Blood on Satan's Claw, mm. who are beating on the drums and just lecherously staring at this couple. Uh, having sex on an altar in front of yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> I just love looking at these faces. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Cause there's huh. nothing, is there anything more scary than a lecherous 90 year old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> that's definitely I mean, up there. Public, at home they can do what they want, but you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was kind of thinking about, um, sunset Boulevard too. And, and how it seems like sunset Boulevard's, sort of began this trajectory of like Hollywood underbelly films. And, and it, to me it inspired, like, I mean, Lynch has talked about Sunset Boulevard a ton, I think, and it, and it just builds this thread. Um, what are some other films that you see that sort of were, you know, um, the forerunners of, of creating that's a new language in that way? Well, to, to be fair, there were, I mean, there were, 
these 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 actor films of like you know i mean they're mostly parodies in silent films of of of, of silent film actresses you know mm-hmm. and they were already vamping it up and and living in these you know castles it is if you don't mind i'm going to digress a little bit sure yeah um this idea of these uh huge mansions it's kind of funny you can there's there's a there's a delineating line between like these silent film actresses who all wanted to be Sarah Bernhardt and sleep in coffins. And, you know, people wanted to pretend they all had like some sort of relationship to the occult, mm. you know, like a uh, Theta Barra and uh, uh, Valeska Surratt. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are all these actresses and they, they do interviews where they talk about the occultism of it as if they, and you can pretty much tell like publicity department did it, you know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that things had nothing to do with Theta Barra or Valeska Surratt. Right. But, these people all lived in really in mansions, you know, the, the mansion. But it's funny how quickly that changes when the Hayes Code comes in. Mm, yeah. Like suddenly all the houses you see in movie magazines look like something you'd live in. Right. They're just sort of, <laughs> uh, they're sort of better than, way better than average ranch houses. <laughs> you know? And so it's kind of funny that they took away the whole, that they didn't want them to, they didn't want these stars to look like they were doing as well as they were doing. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, some, somehow in the, somehow in the, in the teens and twenties, we sort of wanted our stars to live in, you know, in these palatial, you know, haunted castles. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and after the Hayes code, you know, we wanted them to be just like us and that just like us thing, I find pretty dull. Yeah. (laughs) You know, totally. But, uh, but that goes into, there, there were parodies of those, that kind of star in the teens and twenties, even while it was going on, hmm. you know, stars that would just, you know, sort of go, uh, glide ghostly through their mansions. And hmm. so you get a taste of it kind of early. It doesn't all kind of start with uh, Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. but that definitely nails it down. Like this is the Hollywood Gothic. Yeah. Before that, there had been books that had certainly, you know, played with the idea of these, you know, of these, these old starlets, you know, just completely tucked away in their ghostly mansions. But uh, definitely that's the film that nailed down, hey, okay, this is what in film is going to be the Hollywood Gothic from now on. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I would, I would put in the same league, whatever happened to baby Jane, hmm. Hmm. another, another just terrifying film about Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think of, I mean, something that people uh, right now do a lot is sort of this analysis, this cons- sort of conspiratorial analysis of like, especially Kubrick and Lynch. Uh, what do you think of that sort of like trying to like, like these filmmakers are trying to say something about about the world? What do you think of that kind of like uh, that approach? It's not like usually like a film scholar approach. It's more of like a trying to decode like what is happening in the real world by looking at these films. Do you, do you know what I mean? Um, I, I will, if you tell me a uh, Kubrick that you had in mind. Well, I mean, of course it's the shining, but then also oh. eyes wide shut, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think Kubrick was, 
a little a little too icy to have been trying to decode much of anything and I, I don't I, I I don't feel I feel like he's a little cold-blooded for that but mm-hmm. the shining is a, a fascinating film because of all the you know the, the the symbolic language you know America is built on a great on a you know big vat of blood right, right. yeah yep you know, and there's all this uh, Native American symbol symbols everywhere, yep. and hmm. textiles, and I mean, it's just it couldn't be clearer that that film has, you know, has an axe to grind that the book did not have. Yep, absolutely, right. sure, yeah. yeah. And and it, it's just, and that is just amazing. But it all seems pretty. And Eyes Wide Shut is the book is even more startling, than, right? Yeah, yeah, than, than the film, but. As far as trying to unravel reality, I, I get for me trying to unravel reality. If I want, it would be a uh, Winter Kills. Have you ever seen that? No, I don't think so. It's yeah. it's a film that was uh, released after in the early seventies uh, after the Kennedy assassination, and it's about the assassination of a uh, it's about the assassination of a, uh, a Robert F Kennedy type figure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was. Oh, but, is that with Sinatra? No, no, what's, that's that's called uh, uh, the Sinatra one's much earlier. Yeah, what's that called? I can't think of the name. Of it. Yeah, but yeah, th- sure. this is a, a, a 1972-ish. Oh, okay, gotcha. 74-ish maybe, but it was it was marketed as a thriller, then pretty much taken off the market because people didn't want to see. You know, it was a little too close to home. Right. Me. Yeah. <laughs> but but the thing is, it's a comedy. Huh. And no, I like when I first, first saw it, I was just amazed. I was like, wait a second, <laughs> this is a comedy. Yeah. And it's just that it, it covers pretty much every conspiracy theory from the Kennedy assassination on. <laughs> huh. you know, well. just, it's just a mind boggler. Like uh, basically Anthony Perkins is running the world from a huge uh, observatory. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they're trying to get Jeff Bridges, who's a, kind of a ne'er-do-well brother to mm. find the assassin of his older brother who'd been running for president. Wow. But they all know. So really what they want to do is somehow turn him into a hero so he can be president. I mean, when it's even way, it, I'm, I'm simplifying. It's way more elaborate than that. Mm. But I always felt like when I was watching that, that that's about as close to probably what I think reality is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> as as, as pe- like people sending people off on missions Mm. where they already know the answers. Yeah. You know, so they make people search for them, find them. And then it was basically all a game and people feel a certain way. Suddenly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, You know, have a certain opinion because they felt like it had been sought out. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Like I feel like in the whole um, conspiracy community, Kubrick is the one that's always brought up where people love to project so much onto his films. I, I mean, I guess that's just because there's like these totemic, like American symbols in there. Mm. You know, as you mentioned, like the historical trauma in The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess I've never really thought of, I mean, I guess individual films, but I, I mean, I keep, it seems like there are just as many Kubrick films that don't have that. Yeah, totally. I mean, right. I mean, Dr. Strangelove is pretty straightforward parody. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not sure it gives us any truce. Not that everyone, you know, I think it, pretty much every lefty felt that way while watching it. Anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think it convinced anybody of anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not sure anything is revealed there. And then of course there are the, 
you know, the noir things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd have guess I'd have to think about him as some sort of a revelatory filmmaker. I, it hadn't really occurred to me. I mean, obviously his technique is a revelation. And he's yeah. Mm. yeah. But I've never really thought of him, I, I guess, sadly, in any kind of, uh, in any, in any kind of bigger concept. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I just think it's interesting that he's the one that's always, especially eyes wide shut people like right, yeah. marvel at the, the symbols in that, you know, but meanwhile, it's based on a book that was from a very long time. Ago. Right. Yeah. The yeah. And, and really and from another culture. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting what he what he. I mean, that's so to... much about that 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 movie is so much about our book is so much about psychoanalysis, that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I guess I mean, yeah, he's not. They, yeah, the things that Kubrick changed from uh, the Dream Story to Eyes Wide Shut are really interesting too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, he obviously. I mean, I always love that he just comp- you know he goes okay, this is a framework now. Let's you know explode. Right. You totally. Know? I think I think that's great. I so. guess it's yeah, it's better to do it with a writer who's who's dead. I guess Stephen King was pretty mad about The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, he was. Although, yeah, yeah screw him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's come to terms with it over the years. That okay, wait, this is something altogether else. You know, this right? Is well, I think he got his like prefer his preferred version with the, the that recent uh, like sequel thing, uh, Doctor Sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that probably did it. It's oh. like okay, Kubrick, it is right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, did King? What did King like produce that? No, but I think it was like approved. You know, because yeah. yeah. Well, he's and the idea check. was to oh, let's make the novel. You right. Know? Let's do it like the novel was done, and no one cared. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was not. Wasn't great. No. No. <laughs> I know Stephen King fans who who liked it just because all they wanted to see was the plot reenacted verbatim. Right. Totally, yeah. yeah. They didn't want anything else. Yeah. It is kind of funny thinking about The Shining, though, in that context. Like uh, the film Doctor Sleep, which is apparently a sequel to The Shining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how the film uses all these things that were straight out of the Kubrick film. I thought that was odd. Mm. Right. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the decor and just the general. Ge- geometric patterns and yeah I, it, it, I mean it seemed like they were trying to make more of a Stephen King thing but they didn't want to let go of Kubrick <laughs> right yeah they tried to like com- combine the two like right right the, the kind of incompatible threads yeah it, it seemed that way to me as if yeah. well you know you could do this if you were making a better film <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Yeah. Did you ever see that um, Room Two Thirty Seven documentary? I mean, it's kind of you know, I, I'm. It's weird here in Austin. It was incredibly popular, and all of my friends saw it, and somehow I have not. Seen oh, that's it. Should funny. I see it? Um, well, it's it's kind of like what we're talking about, where some reason for some reason the um, the symbols in Kubrick's film, specifically The Shining, which this one's about, it just mesmerizes people where they want to sort of transpose these different ideas onto the symbols and, and make it about something else, which some of it, you know, is relevant. Like some parts talk about the historical trauma, which you were mentioning, mm-hmm. the Native American symbolism. Then there's other stuff where people are seeing Kubrick's face in the clouds and stuff. Oh, yeah, and, and the moon landing stuff <laughs> is a big part of it too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, <laughs> tell me more about the moon landing. Wow, there's like the, the part with like the, the, the patterns on the floor and like the, the kid. Um, he's wearing the, sw- he's the wearing Apollo the, the sweater. Apollo sweater. Oh, yeah. he's wearing that. That's right. Yeah. 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 Now yeah. you're going to make me watch The Shining again. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the time of, uh, well, time of year for well, it. Uh, speaking of conspiracy films like that, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there, uh, another one of my favorites is uh, um, uh, Twink, Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane. 
Hmm. Uh, yeah, I haven't but seen it, that. Uh, yeah. Ninth configuration is what it was released on video as. Huh. When is and that it, from? It's directed by William Peter Blatty. Oh wow! Who wrote The Exorcist? Yeah. And well, he, I wish he directed a lot more movies. I didn't know yeah. he directed anything. I, yeah, the Exorcist Three is my favorite of the Exorcists by far. Mm. But uh, Twinkle, but uh, Ninth Configuration is about uh, insane astronauts. Astronauts have gone mad. Wow! And in the Great Northwest, they're all in an asylum. Whoa! Huh. That sounds and, great. Damn. Yeah. Oh, it's got some just amazing things in it. It's gorgeous. It stars Stacy Keach and uh, Scott Wilson, who's in The Walking Dead too, and one of my favorite actors, huh. and, uh, Jason Miller, who's in The Exorcist. Hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, it, it's yeah. it's an astounding film. Uh, I'm not sure. There's there's no moon landing conspiracy in it like there is in <laughs> yeah. Capricorn One. I don't know if you've seen that. It's no, is it's that, okay yeah. with James Brolin. That actually is about doing a Mars landing on a soundstage. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that. But, uh, ninth Configuration, I would highly recommend. It's very oh. spiritual, too. There's there's a scene where Christ is crucified on the moon. And, <laughs> wow, yeah. That yeah, sounds it's, great. It's, it's very, very good. I've seen that still before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that still is awesome. Huh. <laughs> I got to watch that. Yeah, yeah, I need to watch that soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should check that out after this. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I guess we sort of talked about it earlier with, um, you know, Smith and anger, but I was curious um, if there were any films to you that sort of transcended the realm of fantasy or sort of like the, uh, just the visual use of, um, of mysticism and the occult and, and which you saw becoming more spiritual, like communicating with the viewers on a abstract spiritual level. Um, for me personally, I would think of like Stalker, something like like Tarkovsky. Oh right, oh yeah, I I, I see what you're saying there. I, I'm not, I wasn't prepared for that question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I I certainly see what you mean. This kind of where the where the film. I guess yeah, Tarkovsky was incredibly good at that. This what's happening scene is mystical, right? But you, he never lets it be faux mystical because he never mm. is specific enough about and that's always the problem with making a mystical film i guess is you know you go one step over the line and it's you know it's ridiculous or it looks hokey or yeah you know but i mean like to keep things in check where you're only given enough information to stay on the spiritual level i can think of a film that does that for me besides uh, tarkovsky's and stop um and that's uh innocence which is a, a Eastern European film, uh, and it's a, it's based on uh, a, a Wedekind, Frank Wedekind play, mm. and uh, an old German play uh, from yeah from from the eras we're talking about, the turn of the century, Fundusiecle. But uh, what happens is, a, it's a private school where little kids arrive in, new kids arrive in coffins. Hmm. And are taken out of the coffins and then slowly groomed. And the, but the whole just se thing seems like just a dream. And I mean, like the coffin you'd think would kind of nail it into some kind of film, you know, like this is a horror film or a fantasy film or a, but it never, it never explains anything or gets too deep. It just remains mystical. It remains a mystery all the way through. Yeah. And a really haunting one. Wow. Especially since it's mostly little kids. It's like they are a part, you know, because 
you know, they don't have, they have no way of, you know, trying to talk about what's happening to them. This is just their lives. Mm. So they're just going through these very strange rituals without questioning them. Huh? Yeah. Wow. That's and so that, that yeah. comes to mind as a kind of, tar- as, as a film that seems incredibly mystical. Yeah. Without, without, you know, without taking us to a point where something is literal minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, if Lynch's films do that for people as well. Hmm. Sort of- uh, you mentioned Lynch a few times and I, I really, obviously, I think probably I, I love Lynch and uh, Mulholland Drive is one of my favorite Hollywood gothics. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's there's so much in it that I remember when um, Margot Kidder had gone insane at one point. Uh, this was in the early 2000s, I think. And she'd started crawling through backyards in Hollywood. Oh my God. And like wow. someone had seen her. And I, I just thought that when I saw Mohan Drive, I was like, wow, this is it. You know, because yeah. there's a scene that are so much like that. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and I just that that to me is a, just a fantastic uh, Hollywood Gothic. Yeah, about as good as it gets. Yeah. Have you ever seen the TV pilot? I was going to watch that tonight. Apparently, that was meant to be a TV series. Yeah, I I didn't know the the pilot was available. Yeah, the pilot was showed up on uh, a on a streaming service on Karagarga actually. Hmm. Huh. And, crazy. Uh, I so I, I I downloaded it and I'm going to check it out tonight. Nice. Yeah, I've always wanted to see that. Yeah, <laughs> come over. I have drinks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll take we'll take the bus down. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I Mulholland Drive's a terrifying one. He mm-hmm. Lynch is he he really um, excels in in just getting to the core of something like very uh, existential, obviously, but just terrifyingly existential. Mm. Agreed. I I think sometimes you can go. I mean, actually, you might like this more because there's a kind of it might make a better Tarkovsky film, but Inland Empire is my least favorite. Yeah. <laughs> David Lynch film, just because it's very repetitive, like many Tarkovsky films are. Right, right. And yeah. uh, I, I don't like that as much, but I, but I feel like it will age well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that one is almost. Almost inscrutable, completely. Yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah. I just felt like when yeah. I was, I, I saw it twice in the theaters, and uh, I just, I, I just couldn't help getting bored, and I don't get bored very easily. Right, mm-hmm. right. I just felt like I was seeing the same image over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I yeah. wanted to be surprised, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Although I, the rabbits, were, the rabbits were surprised. <laughs> yeah, that was that part was awesome. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and like on the on the other end of the spectrum um with like what what do you think of stuff like uh the stuff that like verges on like the pornographic like uh jean roland films like that kind of uh i mean he's definitely using occult I, things I, I i just um i love them if i love them when they touch on art movements you know mm, yeah 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 i love them when when they start reading from flowers of evil right <laughs> or they even show flowers of evil on a table yeah <laughs> you know i love it when when the dots are connected in totally you, you know and i or there's a painting on the wall that i know or yeah yeah you know so so that it transforms all the the other maybe some semi-ridiculous things mm. into something something more elevated right 
And while that, you know, there were people who would argue with me and say, well, that's, you know, it was the, it's meant to elevate crap. That's, that's, what, it's, that's what it's doing. <laughs> but I disagree. I, I think seeing these little omens around in those, in those films just absolutely, mm. they, they grab me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, suddenly I'm looking at the film in a whole different way. Right. You know, suddenly it's an art film, you know, like Rogue Grier does the same. And mm. you, you, they're just, I, I love those art films that have, uh, I mean, there's so many from the early 70s and from the late 60s that where they, I mean, you could make a, write a whole book about the presence of uh, Fleur de Mal in films from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. <laughs> it's just endless or, or actually go back further than that. But they're just, I mean, I love it when that appears. And I love it when people start saying things about cruelty and, uh, mm. and you know, <laughs> cruelty and, transcendence and when, right. when people start when people start using the whole perverse you know uh language right i i'm just locked in yeah. you know when yeah. I, when i when people start start talking like that and the images are violent or pornographic i i feel this like i feel like a hymn in my head it's just <laughs> you know like, yeah. <laughs> i just feel like suddenly i'm where i'm supposed to be right yeah it activates that whole like that that decadent like Right. thing yeah, yeah. like that like that giant true. yeah that machine turns on or something yeah. Yeah. it does and suddenly everything's kicking in me you know? yeah that makes sense yeah interesting yeah we we haven't really talked about um jodorowsky stuff uh, where do you where do you come down on that oh um i, I liked jodorowsky until i didn't yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know i mean i don't it, it's so strange thinking of a guy who can now pretty much make anything he wants and the choices he makes now seem odd yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you know i mean back when he you know back when he had to you know stay on a budget and had you know had to struggle for every penny he was making these you know something like holy mountain that just yeah blows you away and now when he wouldn't really have to do that i would imagine anyone would hand him a you know (laughs) several million dollars to make a movie without thinking about it much yeah and he, but yet he makes kind of kind of dull. Um, I I like Santa Sangre because the, of the themes in it, but it's mm-hmm. not my favorite Jodorowsky really. Yeah, I feel like it's still trying. It's trying a little hard when it was so effortless before. Mm. Although calling his films effortless is weird, considering you know <laughs> right. Holy Mountain seems so full of effort, right. but it also seems like oh here's a trip, here's more of a trip, here's something else that's really a trip. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it seems excited. It seems jittery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love and that. Yeah. Sangre doesn't seem as jittery to me. Mm-hmm. I love that in, in those early ones. Neither does can, anything after that. He can like pull off sort of being heavy-handed, which is kind of hard to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I it, it takes a lot to you know bum me out heavy-handedness because I mean yeah. I see a huge crucifix in a room and I'm right. excited. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, we get now we're now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. you know, a bleeding a bleeding Christ on a gnarled cross. Right. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm just so that I mean, I'm a as you could probably tell, I'm a lapsed Catholic. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Catholic school. Yeah, and I mean that sort of thing is is what I love, or a, same as an autumn cemetery. Mm, <laughs> or, yeah, it just there are just things that that are always gonna. I mean, I, I think many of my friends, you know, would see that huge crucifix and go, oh, you know, that again. Mm-hmm. Right. And I I usually study it pretty closely mm. <laughs> after that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what do you think? Um, what do you think's the spookiest film you've seen? Hmm. 
Oh, spooky. I really love The Innocence, Jack Clayton yeah. movie uh, based on Turn of the Screw. Yeah, I have to watch that mm-hmm. one. That movie scares the, scares the poop out of me. Yeah, yeah it's on my list and, this year. Uh, you know, it's always a strange thinking about talking about being scared by movies when you're an adult because that's not quite <laughs> what happens anymore. Right, but, yeah. You're not, I mean, you know, I don't jump. I mean, I, ju- I jump if, it, you know, something. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll jump at a jump scare, but that's pretty easy, you know. Yep. Yeah. It just startled me is all. But as far as being really creeped out, I get more creeped out by weird emotions, by really hysteric, like histrionic family melodramas now yeah. than anything else. Right. Like those things really creep me out. Right. Yeah. Like Douglas Sirk films <laughs> or some, you know, mm. some late period, some Bergman films. Just uh-huh. Yeah. Creepy to me. These people acting this way and being so cruel to one another. And <laughs> right. The family is really what creeps me out these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. understood, understood. But as far as, I mean, so it's when you talk about films that scare you as an adult, it's kind of a, it's kind of dicey because yeah, it's just hard. Mm. It's just harder to be scared, you know. I hear you totally. Yeah, but I mean, but so we say something else. I, I guess we say we're scared, but what we mean is that's a creepy thing to see, or that's, <laughs> you know. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I love, I love Argento. I love, uh, I, I love. Uh, Cronenberg, I loved Cronenberg yeah. in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't care for him that much now. And uh, uh, the black and white things, those old black and white shockers, like well, uh, the Innocence, like a, and a Seance on a Wet Afternoon, things mm-hmm. where the atmosphere right. is just so thick, you yeah. know, like yeah, or there's just this, you know, yeah, haze over everything. Yeah, the, those those films. I mean, it's it's. Or anything where the ghost is something you don't ever quite get a handle on. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah, totally. Although people have started lately to make films like that that are supposed to, that seem like self-help books. <laughs> you know, yeah, so right. kind, of, kind of starting with The Sixth Sense where, you know, yeah. I mean, you, sure, this kid could, you know, help people with his gift, <laughs> but he's still seeing dead people everywhere. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, you can't yeah. act like he's not damaged. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And there was one about mothers recently, like mothers and daughters and a granddaughter in the same house. And it was like, and it was mm. at the end, it turned into, you know, basically a bonding exercise. Mm. And yeah. that's just not what I want from my horror. Right. You know? Sure. Right. I, I don't want a self-help book. Just, you know, in fact, I prefer everyone <laughs> were dead at the end. Really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Except for the ghosts who like linger in the windows. Yeah. They could hang out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, I always think of um, the vanishing. Have you seen that film? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's creepiest. Yeah, and that's another thing that can really creep me out is the uh, serial killers are you know yeah that's right like, or just yeah kid, that kind of thing is messed up you know what I mean so yeah. yeah those that can that sort of thing can still give me the creeps too I guess I was like supernatural things don't really right mean, right they don't yeah. scare they don't scare me. Like right. I don't stay, I I don't watch one and then not be able to turn off the lights or, you know? uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the uh, vanishing and I'm trying to think what there were some other good serial killer films that were really super creepy. There's one called is it called Clean? Oh, I'm not uh, sure. Yeah. Peter Green and he's it's all from this weird. Uh, it's filmed so strangely as if his brain's shorting out through most of the movie. Oh, no. And he's a <laughs> he's a serial killer and uh that that creeped me out i guess knowing knowing that what if your brain just shorted out and yeah <laughs> you were <laughs> sure. this you know yeah. 
yeah. guess the idea that it could happen to you, you know? <laughs> or what if, or the, you know, the eternal question, maybe I am a ser- serial killer and just don't know it. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. Like, yeah. And one day a body will be connected to me somehow and I'll just be completely confused. <laughs> yeah. All that, they, they bring up all that identity stuff in those kinds of movies. Yeah. 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 And sometimes that, that just crazy. gets busy, you know? Right. Like, like they just, they're just, they put the past and the future in a blender. Uh, yeah. I don't care about that so much. You know? Yeah. What was that, that one where it had, where it was backwards? The, um, yeah, Memento. When, when, it's, yeah. when it's just a gimmick to show that the filmmaker can right. splice and dice things together. I yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like in The Vanishing, just the lack of accountability makes it so dreadful. It just, mm. it just like stinks. It stays with you. After yes, you watch it. and the and the the idea that he just has to know this. I mean, it's just yeah. the masochism of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a troubling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I have a hard time with the serial killer movies sometimes, unless you know. Yeah. And there's so many bad ones too. Right. But, oh, sure. for sure. You know, there. But but it seems like those those can still get under my skin if they're done really well. Totally. You know? Yeah. And without gimmicks, you know, if they're yeah. just even some episodes of The Mind Hunter creep me out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty you good. Know, the, yeah, Fincher's TV series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I mean, just I guess because the actors that played the serial killers were very good i mean hmm. really intense actors yeah yeah and listening to them talk i don't know whatever research they did for that uh sometimes listening to those guys talk creeped me out a little bit yeah you know? <laughs> the idea of like somehow meeting a person like this and not knowing what they're really thinking sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> now, as you can tell i'm really scared about either being a serial killer or being killed by a serial killer <laughs> right well, I, yeah I'm just, like, yeah unnerved by the whole thing <laughs> that's like the big america i mean maybe not anymore but the big american fear yeah the serial killer yeah right right yeah. and you're right it's like i don't i mean anymore <laughs> right doesn't seem to really come up that much no. although we don't we don't know i saw one the uh, other day that a uh, documentary type thing that threatened to it never panned out, but threatened to link almost every serial killing <laughs> that was unsolved, like in the oh. last ten years. Oh my it God. was great, like a truck stop killer, but right. it just kept cycling out into the world. Like maybe this guy killed these guys too. Yeah. Yikes! <laughs> so you know, if that guy gets caught, I'll be scared again. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> then we'll know that you know they can just stay underground forever. Yeah, it seems like it moved to like the whole mass murder thing became kind of the American style. Hmm. Yeah, it's that's interesting calling it the American style. I think right. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, America had the, the style of serial killing during the seventies, and then yeah, you know, now now its style is you know gun toting lunatics, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, while killing bunches of as many innocent people as they can shoot. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's like yeah, you know. I, some, I, yeah, I, I like the idea of calling that a style, and it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not too many films about it yet, though, are they? No, there's a there's like one or there was a rampage which is like Ugh. did you ever see that? No, that, I haven't seen it either. That was, I mean, yeah, almost it almost felt predictive because it was before that became like a huge thing. It was just mm. a guy. Oh, trying, it was the Friedkin film, wasn't it? Maybe I I, I mean maybe. I I kind of remember it like it's like a dream. It was a really scary. <laughs> I feel like I heard about that movie but didn't see it. It was just yeah, a guy trying to kill as many people as possible. It was, it was very unpleasant. Well, and then there's the Charles Whitman Tower movie. Right, yeah. About the tower here. Yeah. Which is, mm. which is always I mean, I, I grew up in I grew up in Nebraska and Charles Starkweather was our, you know, mm. once a year there'd be a huge Starkweather thing. I grew up drinking on his grave and <laughs> yeah. Whatnot. Uh Martin Sheen 
uh, bought the tombs. He didn't have a tombstone, or someone had stolen the tombstone. Martin Sheen bought him a gravestone <laughs> after because they after making uh, Badlands. Um, yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Starkweather there and here, uh, it, and every year at Starkweather anniversary, they'll pull up all this new stuff about Starkweather. But uh, the same here, it's Whitman, you know. When you were out in Los Angeles yourself, did you encounter any like uh, sort of cults or occult groups or anything like that? Well, practitioners. Yeah. You know, I, I. I met a lot of people who were who were into it. The problem was this was. I was working at Fanographics Books, and this was uh, eighty nine, ninety, and the scene was kind of going towards that serial killer Manson worship thing that kind of took mm. over the nineties. Yeah. And it seemed kind of silly to me. Everyone wearing a Manson T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm into that stuff, but it just it seemed like the way. I mean, it was leading to some really crappy rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I just. <laughs> I, I, I it kind of, so I met a lot of people who were super into that stuff, you know, but the people I met in Austin were actually a little creepier, like true mm. cultists. And hmm. when, uh, the, did you ever hear about the yogurt shop murders here? Yeah. What was that? Was uh, that recent? Girls were killed, uh, were killed at a yogurt shop one night, uh, young girls, teenagers, uh, five of them, I think. Oh, and burned. Whoa. And they never did. They have some people in jail, but almost everyone thinks they didn't do it. Hmm. And uh, but the thing, the reason I bring it back to that was uh, there were a lot of occultists in town during that, and the police just went nuts looking for you know people in black. Oh, they're rounding up goss, (laughs) you know. Yeah, it turned out these you know the people that were involved, even you know just by description, were just you know ragtag idiots hmm. so it so it really got scary like there were you know people were hiding all their skeletons and altars huh. <laughs> you know, that they had in their right. basement this was during butthole surfers days austin was definitely weird then you yeah know? but in la things had gotten uh, i got to meet uh kenneth anger and i got to meet some mm. of his friends i got to meet curtis harrington mm. and uh I got to meet some some old school occultists, and uh, and they were all wonderful. I mean, mm. they were just just great. And uh, the the gay community had a a real undercurrent of of occultism, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. at least you know the, around Kenneth Anger, around Curtis Harrington. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's this seemed pretty old school to me, which was better than this new Manson worship thing that was going yeah. on. Mm. You know, but, uh, so, so I, so I kind of was, uh, so I kind of wasn't into what the young people were doing with occultism. It all seemed pretty yeah, uh, yeah. phony to me. Just, I mean, it seemed like they were just still trying to distress their parents more than anything else. Sure. Yeah. That's an easy way to do it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but, but the old, the old people I met that had been involved in occultism were in LA occultism were really, really wonderful and and knew far more than i'll ever know about occult about the occult yeah yeah incredibly well read and well versed yeah 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 i feel like it's just it's just always been permeating culture on the west coast a lot more out in the open than it is here and it just seems like the occult has all these sort of public threads there where it's when i was when i was uh Mm. going through um old movie magazines as research uh 
there were magazines from the teens that were already talking about all the occultists in LA. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That were already talking about all the, you know, the mind readers and the spiritualists and, right. and condemn either condemning them or praising them or, you know, it, it, it just, it, it was kind of a, it, it was strange because it was this, you know, just almost a constant in every issue until once again, we get to the Hayes code. Yep. Right. You know, and then, you know, it, it seemed to drive all the real weirdness underground. Yeah. What do you think of like the, the founding of Hollywood kind of story. I mean, it's really, that's, you know, popularly like, um, you know, like a bunch of, especially like, uh, Jewish, uh, like businessmen sort of went out there and founded it. But like, then there's other narratives of it being like somehow kind of mystical, like, like Hollywood, like, you know, all this, like the wood of the Holly. Right. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think of that? Like the myth of Hollywood's founding? Well, I, obviously I, I love that stuff. I, I feel like, Hollywood was such a practical concern mm. from the beginning that there's it, it doesn't really need a mystical. You True. Know? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but since it's always been home to a, a you know a strong occultist community, or at least other believe believers in things besides Christianity, right? Um, it uh, paganism and whatnot. It just, uh, I mean, there's probably a reason for that but a lot of that reason is the whole reason hollywood really started which is that people had to go somewhere from their horror i mean people just had to get away from the you know dust bowl yeah mm. yeah so and 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 plus there was the idea you could start again in california right everybody was starting over yeah you know and you could get lost you could change your name you could become a different person you could become and even better you could become a star right yeah you know, and which is a whole different, you know, you could become a different being. Yeah. As I think probably Crowley would say, if he, you, know, totally. you could become a whole different thing. Yeah. You know, and so I think that practicality, the practical nature of Hollywood just springing out of the desert, hmm. you know, between a, a mountains and an ocean led to, led to it being an escape hatch for weirdos. Yep. Who had nowhere else to go. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to, to be fair, they're probably weird. They're probably have a history of weirder people in San Francisco by far. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But LA has more of a spotlight on it. Right. Yeah. And, and now, I mean, San Francisco is like a weird, like sort of the whole tech thing. And like, it's like a, like a control station for the world right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. And it just, I mean, the people I, I've met, I lived in San Francisco for a while too, mm. but the, the people I met in San Francisco, the old, like the older people who, were kind of the first, you know, had come with five dollars in their pockets and somehow became millionaires. Yeah, those guys were weird and had like real <laughs> stories, like stories yeah. of hanging out with, you know, mom and with like all these writers and I mean, yeah. it just seemed like it seemed like the pack was a lot more uh, elite in San Francisco. Mm. Yeah, know? and I mean, you had the you had Anton LaVey and right. It just, it, I, I think San Francisco is a much stranger town and it feels a little spookier to me <laughs> actually mm. when I'm there, you know, yeah. there are neighborhoods of, of San Francisco that feel a lot spookier to me than any neighborhood in LA. Hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. That makes sense. And, and they had that, that earthquake too. So they're, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are two earthquakes. But yeah. Right. I was yeah. actually there during the, uh, the overpass collapse and mm. we lived about uh, four blocks from there. Oh, wow. Yeah. During the earthquake. So, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, there are certainly, you know, I it just, it seems like a, yeah, it seems like a more haunted city to me. Right. Than LA is. 
Hmm. You know? LA seems somehow scarier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, it seems, it seems a little more brutal. Yeah. Mm. But San Francisco seems spookier. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, maybe the the like the industry of of Hollywood is and, and Los Angeles is just like by its nature a bit more exploitative of of humans than than San Francisco. You made a, you made a very good point. The idea that there are human sacrifices every day. Mm. Yeah, you know, I mean, whether they're metaphorical or not, yep. I mean, sometimes right. they're not. Sometimes people are exploited to their last, you know, till they kill themselves. Right, you know? right. And there's what such a history of that. Yeah. Put, they're basically pushed off the Hollywood sign, you know. I mean, it, right. it, it, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's that's terrifying. That's yeah. a terrifying aspect of LA. Yeah. Is just all these lonely people who wanted something so badly being sacrificed. Mm. Yeah, to, to it to a death cult, you know. Yeah, right, and yeah. There, there there's a lot of death cultism in LA. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Captures that pretty well. Yeah, and there, you know, just all these weird things in LA. Like there, there are guys who still think they're Valentino, and mm. you, you know, after Valentino died, there were just seance after seance after seance. Yeah, know? after and uh, Houdini's death, they did Houdini's uh, seance on top of the Roosevelt Hotel in LA. Yeah, wow. You, you know, <laughs> that used to be released as a LP, like every other year really he, he must have new, hated with that. a new cover on it you can see you can <laughs> right. hear it on youtube you right. can hear it on youtube wasn't he like but, a big debunker of seances yeah but it's just i mean yeah. there, there's so many seances and and just right i mean the, the, definitely just the level of useless death in la is mm. grim right well there was like a cult of valentino right at his like there tomb. was yeah, yeah there was and there was i mean <laughs> But cults for, I mean, so many, like Jean Harlow when she died, people, uh, you know, there are all these, there are all these records made, you know, about their deaths and then mm. people, and, you know, with Valentino, of course, you get the person coming, you know, the the weird lady who's at her, at his uh, beer in the funeral home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the visits his tomb and there's just so, I mean, yeah, there, there, there seems to be an elaborate, I mean, it's all very individual because it's all based on certain stars. But the the level of death cultism in L.A. is pretty right. high. I guess we still have that today too. I mean, to us, like with Heath Ledger and pe- people like that. Like, but yeah, it, yeah it's, it's it's aesthetically less interesting. Right. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sure. yeah. Sure. And probably not as based in seances and things. No, it's it's more like uh, unless there's something yeah. I don't know about that. No, it's yeah. I think it's it's more <laughs> true. Like. You know, in in memoriam type stuff, not right, yeah. Right. yeah, just people who've never given up on River Phoenix and right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting though because it, it, as you mentioned, sort of the the metaphorical death cult of Hollywood. It's like truth is stranger than any sort of fiction most of the time. You know. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it. I mean, it wouldn't. <laughs> I know this is going to be odd, but I. It's. Uh, I don't think it's that far of a reach to, you know, get to an almost shining like thing with the, with uh, Hollywood. The idea that you know that it runs on blood, you know, <laughs> that, it, right. that there's just a, there are, there's a vat of blood underneath it, and that's what that's what's greasing the that's what's greasing the gears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's making it go. Yeah, you know? yeah, to- to- totally. I mean, I think it's it would be hard to make a case against that. Yeah, I mean, and you see all the and just insanity too. Like, there's all these actresses that say you liked when you know in the '80s or something like that, and you wondered what happened to them, and then you see them, and they look like 
they're crazy. They yeah. And then you realize they were probably all raped. Right? Yeah. Well, there's you know, casting and, couch. And suddenly stuff, it's just yeah. this, you know, like, well, of course they became this. Yeah. You know? Imagine the things they went through. Right. Right. Yeah. Massively. You, know, so what, you expect yeah. them. To, you expect them to stay beautiful and well dressed when they they know that their life's a horrible sham. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It just sometimes. I mean, there's something yeah ghastly about the whole place for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, a James Elroy type ghastliness. <laughs> right. Know? Totally. Huh. <laughs> That's a heck of a spot to. Uh, should we Should we duck out here? Yeah, I guess we can. We can wrap it up. Yeah. Um What? Uh, I hope I gave you enough to work with. Oh, of course. Totally. Definitely. Really awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. It was my pleasure. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. And um, so what, I mean, I guess we'll look out for some of those books in, in the future, right? Yeah. Um, do do look out for books and uh, just check, you know, there'll be announcements of these things on our on the Facebook page and the Twitter. Account. Awesome. Yeah. And, and we'll link to, to all those so, you know, listeners can check that out. Oh, I, oh I, yeah. Thank you. And I, I wanted to ask you, uh, does it, how long usually before the thing hits the website? Oh, we should be up on um, Tuesday. Yeah, a few, oh, few days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, maybe if you could just send me a reminder, that way I'll post it everywhere. Oh, for sure. Totally. And, yeah, yeah, thank you again for coming on. Our film list is definitely expanded. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was really fun talking to you guys. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah. All right, well, good night. Keep in All touch. Right, thanks. All right, keep in ya. touch. All that right. was crazy. Yeah, great show. Um, I feel like the ending was uh, was like dark. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, it was like a great, like the yeah. sort of the meat of the conversation was at the end. Almost totally. like there was so much great stuff mentioned, but like, yeah, I really loved that that uh, the real life death cult of Hollywood is right. almost more interesting than any sort of contrived like. Right, conspiracy behind Hollywood. I think, the, and I think facts, that's the yeah. facts of it. That's usually darker. usually the case, right? I yeah. mean And you know, we didn't touch on any like CIA involvement in in Hollywood, like which yeah, is all also true. real. But I mean, it, it like just by itself, like just looking at the lives of the people who gave their lives to this thing, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's well, I'm, dark. I'm like hard pressed to imagine like films that you know, are, are like a conspiracy because like mm. there was that, you know, tweet or whatever, where it was like, you know, all films are, have one plot oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. another plot. It was just like some stupid bot account right. or whatever. But like, I think that might be like a person masquerading as a, as a bot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is funny, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think a lot yeah. of films are like, just I just wanted money. an answer. Like what, yeah. what film besides like right. eyes wide shut is the one where like, and even that, I'm I'm still on it. I mean, I think that like Kubrick was obvious. Like, he was winking at like Rothschilds and like Rockefellers and like the like obscenely rich and like, mm-hmm. what what they get up to. But I don't even I don't even think that like a you know intensely close analysis of that film any more than any other uh, Kubrick film will yeah. like. I don't think that's going to reveal like any secrets. I think he was just like a very detail oriented director for sure. I mean, yeah, there's like, if you wanted to read into it as much as some people do, like there's the over the rainbow symbolism, but then you have to totally. get into like all the monarch stuff. and Right. And I, I mean, I wonder, cause then like, if that's what he was talking about, I just feel like it opens so many, uh, boxes to like imagine that he like, so he knew about like 
about like yeah mind controlled like humans like like these slaves i don't know i it's, feel like it's just like uh it just opens these doors that like it's fun to read about and some, yeah. some sometimes the argument is almost convincing where they talk about like the nasa lenses which he was lent to right. work on space odyssey and then the that's, moon landing that's stuff. crazy i mean yeah it's funny to to put it all together and like i don't know maybe sometimes like you get in the headspace where you could make a case for it but yeah i think for the most part people are probably projecting but i think so i mean what the hell do yeah. i know I go I back and forth on that stuff, honestly. Sometimes I'm, like, convinced that, right. like, you know, he faked the moon landing. But other yeah. days I'm like, why? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't well, know. I could see every reason for the moon landing being faked. Me too. There's that, have you read, there's a great uh, David McGowan uh, piece, um, which is just, like, this really long essay about why the moon landing was definitely faked. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like incredibly convincing. But if you spend some time like away from the literature and like just it's like maybe it doesn't make as much sense as it does when you're reading like conspiracy stuff. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense because the Russians were up there right before, right. and then we were like, all right, we got to do this. But I don't understand the technology. Like, how did they do the film transmissions and stuff? I don't understand. That's that's kind of the whole McGowan thing. Is like when did they film? Did they film it? Oh, fuck. I, I don't know enough about this. No, it, yeah. <laughs> like, don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know enough to justify why it's a conspiracy. Right. Because we should we should do an episode on. Is it, like, was it landing. live? I how the hell so. did that work? Was yeah. it like radio signals, <laughs> radio visual signals? I'm sure some like huge like science nerd can can correct us. We should. We yeah. should. We should. Yeah. I'm gonna leave this whole part in because this is hilarious. Yeah. We're recording this in intense green light. Yeah, it's been green for like. <laughs> two hours yeah i thought that was a great uh interview though yeah it really, was awesome yeah fascinating stuff um and lots of movies to watch now that ninth configuration sounds really great mm-hmm. that's still of of jesus yeah. crucified on the moon yeah i remember that that's awesome yeah. um so what so yeah we've done three interviews in a row um which is cool yeah hopefully i mean i guess next time we'll do I guess we're doing demons. Yeah. Well, next episode will be about demonic possession and yeah. a great new book, which just got released. And we'll post more details about that soon. But it's definitely scaring the dickens out of me thus far. Demons, yeah. <laughs> scaring the demons into me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Uh, the moon landing. Was it fake? I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I felt felt embarrassed asking uh, asking, <laughs> asking him. him if he thinks the moon landing is fake. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Like a momentous event in right. human history. Like, yeah, it's yeah, fake. it's it's so yeah. It's like yeah, you can't tell. Like, it depends on the day. Like, if it's like a, an embarrassing line of thought, or if it's like it feels like a legitimate inquiry. A lot of people believe it. I oh, just yeah. don't understand how did how was the. It sounds stupid as as hell here, but how was the transmission? Like, how was how did they do the live transmission? I think it must have been some kind of because it was it was like the thing was that it was like live broadcasted to like America, right? Yeah, and everybody was like you know like glued to their television sets. Yeah. Um, so what what kind of technology is that? Like a radio signal or something? Like 
I'm gonna leave all this in. Okay. Yeah, yeah we should. Yeah. Getting to that point. Um, pop an ad in right here while we look up the moon landing broadcast. I don't think anybody wants to advertise yet. But someday, once we syndicate. <laughs> Um, Apollo 11, the greatest single broadcast in television history. Yeah, so I guess people have thought about it. Television camera mounted on its side. You're going to leave this part in? Yeah, <laughs> just reading. <laughs> <laughs> people are listening while you're just like, <laughs> sitting there reading. Uh, <laughs> just making mouth sounds. This becomes an <laughs> ASMR <laughs> Huh. I don't think I could make ASMR sounds if I was like forced to. Well, I'm not. Oh, damn, this picture is awesome. Apollo 11. Yeah, I guess I just, I don't know. The acceleration of technology seemed incredible. It seems incredible to me, too, <laughs> right now. Uh, unless they had geniuses like Stanley on board. Yeah. I mean, if it if it is fake, they did a great job of like, fuzzing it up making yeah. it look like goofy you know? right <laughs> what are the arguments for that it's fake they're like there's no stars you would be able to see stars and then it's like the camera wouldn't right wouldn't wouldn't be able to detect stars. yeah everything that someone brings up for why it's fake there's an answer to but then there's also an answer to that it's like it's you know back and forth forever i like the one where it's like the flag is something about the flag oh like there's wind or something yeah like but there shouldn't be wind right I f- and th- there was like a good answer for that too I don't know. Me neither. It seems kind of in the end like it doesn't really affect me. <laughs> if it yeah. was like a Cold War like op, yeah. like fine. Like <laughs> that makes sense. I can imagine that being like a legitimate avenue. Yeah. Well, for for uh, that's what that's kind of where I would fall on it. Like obviously that would be the intent. Right. But I think for me personally like any given day I could believe a conspiracy, you know, for a couple minutes. Totally. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. All right. Well. So, great interview. Uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah. We're going to be back with a really spooky one, hopefully. For Halloween. Yeah. Hallow Eve. Sam Hain. Sawin. <laughs> yeah, but Sam Hain is Sam funny. Hain. <laughs> All, All right. right. All right. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>